Welcome to the Denver United podcast series on leadership in every season. Our hope is to equip you to be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus in our city. Hello, Denver United, and welcome to our podcast series focused on leadership in every season of life as we continue uh, collectively as a state and a populace to navigate the coronavirus, its pandemic spread. We um, are joined today by Jonathan Bugelman, who is a leader in our congregation and has been a friend to me and my family for years. Uh, We actually met uh, through youth basketball before your family was a part of the Denver United family and uh, have grown in friendship over the years. Jonathan's one of my favorite people. And Jonathan, um, for 23 years, has led a business in which he manages over $3 billion. And so as a financial expert, you bring some perspective to uh, our conversation as a congregation, engaging our community and attempting to uh, to influence the public discourse, you know, the, the conversation around the water cooler for good, for Jesus in these trying times. And so, Jonathan, in the midst of what has to have been a crazy time for you in your industry, thank you so much for taking time to be with us and help coach and shepherd us about how we can respond to these times and uh, and bring hope and and a good sense perspective uh, to the public conversation. Yeah, Rob, thanks for having me. And I'm just excited to be here. And your leadership is solid right now, just putting this out there when other people are hiding. And I appreciate that. Um, really, when you think about what we do every day is we work with people, families, we work with people trying to retire. We work with people that are retired. We work with people's kids, people that are in their 20s that are trying to build things and make things happen for themselves. And so what our job really is to do is to bring perspective and reality and not always look for where the grass is greener, but look at where we sit and how to deal with it. Because in 10 years from now, we'll all know how right or wrong we all were with the decisions that we made. It's really hard to tell it today. Right. Uh, such good perspective, and uh, one of the many reasons that I enjoy you so much and admire you is that uh, your business has positioned you or or uh, maybe grown in part because of um, the gift that God's given you for for bringing just practical good sense uh, in the midst of of chaotic or trying times. And, and really, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but a, a lot of the growth and success that you've seen in business has been helping people navigate uncertainty um, and, and anticipate um, trends uh, wisely and and not over or under responding, um, kind of cutting through, slicing through the freak out factor. And I, I love that about your personality, about your, your, your business model. And I so appreciate your willingness to help us think that through. It seems to me that um, once the, the dust settles, so to speak, it, the, the coronavirus epidemic is going to ha- have a long-lasting financial effect. Right now, of course, the financial markets are in upheaval. And so you working more closely to the financial markets and, and being in the midst of that storm, I just wanted to ask you, are, are, are you scared? Does this have you worried? Are you losing sleep at night? Yeah. And I have a lot of people asking me that question every day, especially in the middle of downturns. I remember back in 2008, it felt in some ways the same and in some ways different. Um, but am I scared? No. 
But what I am is a person that is trying to make wise decisions no matter what comes our way. So the thing is, is we're going to live in a world where we got problems. I mean, the Bible talks about how this world is not our home, right? And it isn't. We're all looking forward to being in heaven one day. But today we're here, and our job is to make the most of it while we're here. So um, when I think about finances, I think about the good, the bad, and the in-between. And never is it very, very relaxing. Usually what it is, is it's either really good or really bad. But when things are good, I'm ready for the days when things get tough. And when things are bad, I just know it will get better. So one thing to think about, Rob, is in, and to put this in perspective is, since 2008, we've had 11 years of a bull market. So a lot of people in our church, for example, the young crowd, remember when they were kids in 08 or younger in 08, and the parents were talking about how tough the huge financial crisis was. And um, that impacts how people think about the world today. And But for the last 11 years, we've seen nothing major. We haven't seen a recession in 11 years. And so one of the reasons why this pandemic is so impactful on the markets is number one, because it's real, but also number two is because of the fact that we probably needed this. Hmm. So one way to think about it is everybody's talking about Corona, and that is a concern of mine, and I have to think about it every day. But the bigger concern that I have is what Corona will do economically. So last week or yesterday, we heard about Dr. Dave and talking about how to handle things about your life and how to deal with other people. Um, today, we're going to talk about how to live in this new world we're living in today. But don't forget, one thing that's taken place in the middle of all this that makes it more concerning is the fact that the Saudis and the Russians decided to get in a spat right. and decided to put as much oil into the system as possible. So right now, we see oil prices in the 30s. Okay, That's two things that have happened at one time. It's kind of like the one-two punch. And so don't forget that Corona impacts other things. And that other thing right now is oil. But you also have to look at it in reality of where, what does that do for us over time and where do we fit? So are we in a scary time right now? Absolutely. Okay. But I look at it and I say, where do we sit? Today, I look at the markets and I have a rule in my business that when I have 10 clients that call me in a day, panicky, that means that I tend to be a buyer on that day, okay? And so what's interesting is as the market's corrected through all this, my phone rang two or three times, people concerned. You also gotta realize that a lot of people I work with have been working with me for a long time, so we kind of have the plan for good times and bad times and whatever. So, but last Thursday, I got 45 calls in one day. Quite a day. That's quite a day. So that's very much like 08. So, and I don't want to minimize it because people are nervous and we talk through it. But I literally got my first call at six in the morning of which I was getting out of my bed at that time. And I took a shower at nine because I got so many phone calls. I finally said to clients, I'm like, hey, I have to go to the office. Can you please let me go shower so I can go to my office? And I walked in my office with my team and I said, okay, everybody, um, our job is not to be perfect, but our job it's old saying that Warren Buffett already says, when everybody's panicking, be greedy. <laughs> and when everybody's greedy, you probably should make some changes. And so my view is, I don't know how low this will go, this market will go. Um, I don't know how tough it will get, but I know when really smart people panic, 
it actually doesn't mean they're necessarily right. It just means that they're panicking. So for example, last Thursday, what we decided to do is take a little bit of money and put it in the market and say, maybe we should start putting a little bit of money to work because frankly, for young people, our church is full of young people. In the last week or so, I've heard that 5% of money in the 401ks has been moved to cash. And it's mainly by young people in their 20s. Well, this is Christmas time for people in their 20s because now's the time to do it. Now, I'm not telling people to go take all your money, mortgage your house and throw money into the market. But man, is it a good time to say, hey, in the, my 401k, I'm putting in 5%. Maybe I should start putting in 10 Because the only time to make money in the markets is when you buy into fear and then realize that you're not going to take the money out for five years. Okay. So this idea, I want to dig in on just a little more. Um, we've, most of us, uh, heard the concept of dollar cost averaging, which relies on the underlying principle of don't freak out in times of, of market pullbacks, even dramatic pullbacks, like we're experiencing right now. Uh, keep your head, recognize that perhaps it's not going to stay that way forever. And then, um, and, and then continue steadily investing. I hear you saying, uh, don't perhaps, um, or think twice about putting your money under your mattress, but continue to stay steady in your investing. And if you can invest a little more and you're younger, this is the time because, because securities, uh, are on sale. It, it, help me think about that. Right. Yeah. The way I think about it is I run a model on our team where we determine what expectations are. So with the way the market's pricing today, and just accept that this is going to be a little detailed, but the way markets are pricing today with where interest rates are, um, we are expecting a 50% decline in profits by companies. Wow. So when I read that, I kind of thought to myself, wow, that sounds about right, because guess what? Everything's kind of shutting down out there, right? So, but then when I put it in context, we went back and looked at our model in 2008, which was the Great Recession when Lehman Brothers went under. We didn't know if the banking system would be alive. Um, and that, in reality, priced down that growth went actually down 47%. So today we're pricing down 51% growth, uh, uh, drop in profits. But in reality, in 2008, there was a 47% drop in profits. And so what's happening is if you just heard that number, you'd be like, well, you should buy everything. Well, no, because you got to realize that the markets don't trade naturally. Gold last week actually went down. Okay. Well, people are saying, well, because people are borrowing money, they're using their gold to pay down their debt. Well, people on margin don't buy gold. People are selling gold because they're actually nervous. Hmm. People are selling corporate bonds because they're nervous. Things that are even safe havens were sold off last week. So when that happens, it means that there's panic. It means that things don't always go to valuations, but over time they have to, hmm. right? So my view is if you're an older person, you can't dollar cost averaging in because you're retired. Sure. So your job is to make sure that you're allocated correctly. And that might have some money in real estate and in equities. It doesn't mean to go sell those. It means to be patient and maybe take from other areas. People do need to keep money on the sidelines. If you're retired, you need to have a year worth of cash, but you can take risk with other money. But for the young people, even I'm 44, I've run this business as I was in my low twenties. I look at this and I go, have I lost money in this environment? Absolutely. But I'm not retiring tomorrow. This is wonderful opportunity for me too. And I'm even in my forties, let alone the twenties. 
And so any amount counts. I met with a client the other day and he was sad about his account, really sad. He's like, oh, Jonathan, he's like, I got this fund. What should I do with it? I've been putting $100 a month in this since I was 26. And he was really sad because the value of his fund went from 600000 to 500000 And his, I think he had put a total in of like $40,000. And that's how much money he made. So it's one of those things where over time, be disciplined in how you think about money. Um, it's a big deal. I remember my business back in 2001. I started the business back in 1998. 2001, I was not a wealthy man. Um, my clients, I had 30 million that I was managing. That's a far cry from 3 billion, but they were my 30 million. And I wanted to take care of those people and the markets. I got hammered in the tech wreck, Right, the tech wreck. I still remember that. I just wanted to throw up in my trash can, <laughs> you know? And one thing that I did is I turned to my wife and I had a lot of company stock, the company I was working for at the time. And I was, I'm Dutch, right? So what Dutch people do is Dutch people tend to be total hoarders and savers of things. So most people spend too much money. I just save it. I go to my wife and be like, honey, we're putting money away. And we saw a big correction and all this that I had worked for that I spent the last four years of saving. I just said, man, I just, this just went all cut, cut in half. What am I going to do? And we sat together. It was really a time of growth. Because as I think about my life and you think about your life, you're not growing as much when times are great. You're growing when things are tough, yeah. when you're learning how to deal with things. And, and, oh, and I think about your story about the Colorado Springs house. Yeah. Rob, remember that? That wasn't tough, but you learned a few things. Yes. Don't want to go through it again, but I'm glad that I did. It did. And look where you're sitting. Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. God wrote a story that ended up being all right. Yeah. You know? But back in 2001, we basically looked at each other and I said, you know what? I've been saving. I'm acting, I'm acting like, like I'm a Dutch guy that's 90. Right. Right. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give, I'm going to save, and I'm going to spend, and I'm going to be disciplined, and I'm going to let the Lord determine whether I'm a wealthy guy or not. But I'm going to do the disciplines of all those three things. And yeah, that's so good. So where was my wife was like, hey, let's tithe. And I'm like, you know, I think God would rather have us grow it because I think we're better at growing it than the church. Well, I think about 2001 and 2008, the best investments we made were the money we gave away but I don't think it's an all or nothing kind of thing. I think what it is, is healthiness is learned in different ways. For me, it was in 2001 of be a giver, be a saver, be a spender, right? And that's not what we all were taught. And some people, look at your life, some people are overspenders. Well, you're never gonna do well in this environment if you're a spender. But if you're only a saver, your impact can only go so far. So be diversified. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to dig in on that you shared. It's both very practical and hopeful in the realm of our finances, which is a realm that all of us have to navigate. Some of us are finance savvy, uh, where our portfolios are divested or are diversified rather, and uh, and others of us, you know, we're living paycheck to paycheck. But finance is a part of all of our lives, and I think this this. Uh, wisdom it applies to every one of us. Uh, one thing I heard you say is that um, it has to do with the Dutch crowd. And, you know, we have a number of, of Dutch folks in our congregation. There's a, a, a deep Christian heritage in South Denver in the Dutch community. You know, we've got Shardimas and Van Howes and lots of other subtle multi-vowel combination There's names. like a 6'4", 65-year-old guy at our church that 
has to be Dutch. That's Dan. And, and he okay. is like five Dutch guys trapped in one body. And he's my good friend. Uh, and, and so what I hear you saying is that, that the Dutch uh, mafia in our church are the ones buying up all the toilet paper. That could be. That that could be. I think. Is it Dan? You said. Yeah. Dan, check out his check out his closet. Yeah, we may come look at your uh, garage, Dan and Denise. All right. Uh, secondly, though, you talked about overall healthiness with regard to our life and our finances. Um, tell me if I if I heard you correctly. I want to try and um, restate it back to you in layman's terms, and then you can you can dial this in for me. Uh, for the older portion, and you can self-identify there within our congregation. I uh, hear you saying. Um, recognize that these are unsettling times and, and that the markets are down and this has been a significant pullback. But in the midst of that, be patient, stay steady, don't knee-jerk. Be conservative, yes, um, but, but perhaps um, we're not at doomsday. And then for the younger crowd, I hear you saying stay the course, recognize that there's opportunity in the market cycles and continue to invest, even if you just have a little bit of a small income to put into a 401k or an IRA, keep doing that. And if you're able to to up that allocation and maybe down your Starbucks consumption just a little bit, this might be a good time to do that. Are those right um, kind of digests of what you're saying? Totally. So think about this. People have cash for liquidity needs. Right? Okay, can you define liquidity for the for the layman among us? Uh, money that's available at any time. And I think that having some cash, I think the Bible talks a little bit about don't make other people or don't don't make other be a person that people can rely on, don't have other people need to bail you out. Yeah, right. Right. So, um, man, I botched that, but that's good. No, no, so that, have, you're, you're right have, on. Okay, it's Galatians where it says, um, bear each other's burdens. And Dr. Dave talked with us about that. Uh, in our last episode, but it also in the same passage says each one should carry his own load. Yeah. So don't rely on the community to always bear our burdens. Right. If take you're, if your you're a person that keeps getting bailed out, take care of your business. Right. But then on the other hand is this can happen in a very small way too. You don't have to be rich to do this stuff. Right. And that's the thing that I think people get confused. They're like, Oh, you know, I listen to people talk and I sit there and I go, Hey, can I, I get done with some conversations and I say, Hey, I don't want to pry into your business, but I really think that small things are okay to develop good things. So you have liquidity things for cash. People have bonds for safety. They have equities for long-term growth and things like real estate. So the way that I think about it is when you're older, you have a plan. You need to create a plan and you got to stick with it even during tough times. And you might have to rely on the fact that you might have to spend a little bit less money but don't go off the deep end. That doesn't work. In 08, people did that all the time, and they're the only ones working at Walmart, <laughs> right? Yeah. Are the ones that stop their plan. Right. Because these things too will pass. Right. Right? What we don't know is when it will pass. It could be three years. It could be two years. It could be, you know, I look at it and say, first quarter of this year, guess what, Rob? We had 3% unemployment. We had 3% wage growth. And our GDP was growing at 3.5% going through the end of last year and the first quarter of this year. Now we have this pandemic that's, and we have this oil thing, which is going to mean that we're not going to have growth. We could go into recession, right? It means that the economy will shrink, but doesn't mean that when you're in a recession, you don't buy things. When you're, we're pricing, like we're going to go into recession, we could price worse, but that's when you buy things, you don't sell things 
Or if you can't buy things and you don't have a job that's paying you more money, well, at least hug yourself and suck your thumb in the corner and try not to do anything. Sit on your hands. Right. Right? So just be wise. I mean, I list, I, I have a couple of clients of mine that called me last week and they're like, hey, you know, I've got all this money and I was talking to my son and he just sold everything. He's like, should I be concerned? And I'm like, well, how old is your son? He's like, oh, 26. And I go, well, give me his number. So I talked to the son and he's like, I sold everything. I said, buy it back. And then how much you save? And he's like, nothing. He's like, but I have a bunch of money in cash. And I'm like, okay, would you be willing to put that to work over the next six months? And he's like, yes. But he was advising other people. I was getting my shoe shined at the airport. And a guy was telling me that he was buying gold. You know, that was shining my shoes. I'm like, that's awesome. And that was back in 2008. He's like, oh, you do, you manage money. That's awesome. He said, I'm buying gold. I'm like, that's awesome. I said, you are made your money in gold. So the market's low. You should be buying other stuff. He's like, heck no. So the thing is, is have a plan, stick with it. Don't get emotional. Okay. Don't follow the crowd. I mean, if we're following the crowd, we're following the crowd right out the door. Right. Right. I mean, that's like almost biblical. Yeah. Don't follow the crowd. Yeah. But get counsel. Get wise counsel from multiple people, right? That's how this thing works. And we got to do this thing together. You said these things too will pass. Uh, There's a lot of of really practical coaching in in the wisdom that you just shared. I want to unpack that one. Um, Twice you've referenced the recession of 2008 and 2009. I'm deeply familiar with that recession because that was the context in which uh, Mari and I sensed God lead us to abandon our lives in Colorado Springs and start a church, not by the book. Um, there was a, there's a faith journey. We were in a sense buyers in, in a seller time. Um, and without uh, much except just following Jesus um, to, to back that, I see the way that, uh, that he worked that out. Maybe it was just him having mercy on us, but I think there's a larger wisdom principle that you've talked about. Um, can we dial this down to, to layman terms again? And can you help us understand recession? Like that's one of those terms like pandemic that Dr. Dave unpacked for us. It's a little bit spooky and, and can create more fear and panic. Um, we, we experienced a recession in 2008 and nine. We experienced the, the so-called tech wreck, uh, um, conflagrated with the Y two K pseudo crisis um, at the turn of the of the century, um, we may be some economic um, indicators suggest heading for another recession. Um, what does that mean first, and then what does that mean for us? Yeah. So one way to think about it is, let's think about last year. The markets were up thirty percent. Wow, that's a lot. Okay, that's like making multiple years in one year. And the reason why is because the market was expecting this year to be a really good year. Okay, so the fact that last year's returns are wiped out is because the market was expecting this year to be a great year. 3% growth. We're in a um, uh, political environment where we have an election coming up. And whenever an election comes up, the government tends to be a little bit more accommodative because they want to win, you know? And uh, so what happens is um, in a recession is the period of time where instead of your economy grows, it actually shrinks for a quarter. Okay. And what that equals to people in the real world is lost jobs. What that equals is depressed prices. What that equals is cheaper houses. 
things like that. But what happens is, is there's things called deep recessions and mild recessions. 08 was a deep recession. Shockingly to me, that came back over a two-year period of time. So the 08 recession, I told myself, in 10 years from now, values are going to be seen again. And it actually took two years. Okay. Our economy was on good funding before we went into this pandemic, and now it's being slowed and we could drop into recession. But I think the pandemic will burn off like they have in history. So think about this. People are comparing this to the Spanish flu. I'm not a doctor and Dave is way smarter than me, but that was over a hundred years ago. I think we had cars, I don't know, but Advil started in 1961. So I would have, since Advil started in 1961, and that was that long ago, my view is, is that I think medicine today is probably a lot better than 100 years ago. Um, but it doesn't mean it's not going to be tough. But we have to have reason in our logic on how we think through things, I think. And so for me, I look at the 08 crash and what stemmed from that. I don't feel that here when I look at the underlying pinnings of the economy. Ah, uh, so you're saying, let me interject for just a moment, that the, the environmental, sorry, the economic conditions leading to the last recession were, were so precipitous that this was bound to happen. Uh, whereas our underlying economic conditions have been strong and it's an external factor, a very real and, and significant external factor of this coronavirus pandemic that are perhaps pushing us into recession. So the way that the economy may perform would differ. And we, we need to understand that there may be a recession coming, but it's a different set of environmental, uh, sorry, a different set of economic factors. Am yeah. I hearing you correctly? And also the biggest risk, I mean, obviously with death and all that, I have to think about things economically. We don't want people to die, but let's think about oil. The thing that this recession's doing, this if we hit a recession, we don't, no one said this is a recession yet. It may not actually happen. I'm basically saying, hey, it could be. It okay. could be. And, right. I, and I'm actually planning for it to be. Okay. okay. But a lot of people are saying that we won't even have a recession. Okay. With that said, though, the biggest issue that we see is these oil prices going so low. What that means is there's a lot of oil companies that I think that are not going to be able to pay their bills and that will go under. Right. Okay. That is tough, especially in Colorado. We got a lot of employers. Okay. So... But what that means for us and the rest of the world is what, what does that do? Yeah, that impacts you working for one or owning one. But the bigger players are going to take over the smaller players. We're going to make oil for less money just because that's how it happens when the consolidation of industries happen. But what happens? Low oil equals savings for every American. So the disaster that's coming our way in the energy space and that we're seeing right now is actually impactful for that sector. But if there's ever a sector to get hit, that's probably the one. It represents only 2.5% of the S&P 500, but that gives you a tax break. The other thing that happened is we have a 10-year treasury. Okay, The government borrows money for different programs. They can borrow money today at 0.7%, never seen in, in, in history. The other thing that happens is people have mortgages. Right now, there's a 10-year treasury that pays out 0.5%. That's what you, if you bought a 10 year treasure today, you get paid 0.5 and people are clamoring for those. You know what? When this thing settles out, I don't think people are going to want a half a percent a year for 10 years. 
But if you're doing a mortgage, refinance that baby now, right? So what's happening is there are things that are pushing down the economy that are massively impacting things in a very negative way. But coming out of this thing, this is the best thing that happened. Low oil, low interest rates, government accommodation, where they're basically saying, we're going to put money in the system. They're saying, we're going to allow rates to drop. We're going to drop rates ourselves. We're going to make this happen. We're going to do this. If I look at my 23-year career, and if I look at what I've read before that, when those three things take place together over time, that's actually a beautiful thing. But we're going to have some pain before the beauty. Okay, so um, this is really, really important for us to understand, both for ourselves, so that we can be wise stewards of the resources that God entrusts to us, and so that we can be good leaders uh, in the public square and around the water cooler at work, and and quell fear and and speak into the the panic. So a recession may come, um, or it may not. But if it does, it's not the end of the world. The sky's not falling. Uh, it's uh, it is. Um, more external than internal economic factor driven. The, the, it is complicated or worsened by the oil crisis, and it's compounded by an election year. These are factors that are circumstantial, as I've heard you say. So um, that leads to, among other things, depressed prices. Help us think real practically. Coach our folks for a moment on how we manage our money. Um, should we be spending because stuff is cheaper that we would otherwise buy at retail price and now we get it at wholesale? Should we, you mentioned refinancing our homes. How can we capitalize on the, this, economic, this economic environment that may be coming um, without over leveraging ourselves? What, what in short should we be doing with our money? Yeah. Yeah. I would say this, first of all, take one big deep breath, right? Take a deep breath and realize that we're all human. And what we can do is control what we can. You know, the Bible talks about the mind of God. And I look at it and I say, what we're here to do is to be able to be knowledgeable, wise, make good decisions, learn the best of what the world has to offer, and then let God handle the rest, mm. right? So that's the first step is just to relax, okay? Then take an honest assessment of where you're at financially. Because everybody, when I listen to people talk about their finances, they actually aren't even in reality. Some people are overspenders and they think they're savers. Some people are poor and they're actually wealthy. You know, so take an honest assessment of where you stand. So here's what I would say. Have a plan for making sure you have enough money in contingency to do what you got to do and make an assessment of how risky your job is. That's pretty important, mm. right? Second thing it would be is to create a plan on buying assets of things. So there's two things. I make my kids read this book called Good to Great. I also make them, you know, I have them read lots of different books. But one of the things that happens with finances is you have to view what is an asset and what is a cost. An asset is possibly a house. An asset is real estate. An asset is putting money in the markets. Okay, an asset is even buying bonds. Okay, be an owner of assets when everybody's afraid, but do it slowly and don't 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 leverage your house more to go take money and throw it in the market all in one day. Mm -hmm. Do it over time. So have disciplines. CNBC should not exist. Finance cannot be that fun. 
<laughs> and finance cannot be that scary. And fin- finance is math and discipline. And mm. so I would say that families need to reassess where they're at, continue to give to the things that they're most passionate about, and have a discipline around that. Because if you ask most people, you say, hey, what's your plan? What's your financial plan? They're like, uh, I spend what I make. Okay, well, that's a terrible plan. But people need to think about spending, saving, giving. Now's a great time. Now it's now you're really looking tightly and you're feeling poorer than you have in a long time just because you're emotional, not even looking at the numbers, right? right. So refinancing houses, anytime that you have debt right now that's at a high yield, it's, re, it's refinanced. The government is basically gonna take, take um, student loans. They're not gonna make you pay your interest, okay? But guess what? Pay down the principal then. Right, right. Right? So take the advantage. Don't stop because, oh, the government says you don't have to pay interest. Okay? Well, don't stop paying it. Pay it down. This is your chance to get ahead. If they're going to give you that program, make that happen. So relook at your interest rates and try to find ways to get lower rates. Yeah. So that's where you take advantage. But I'm telling you, even if you have debt, and this is my opinion, this is not something you read, is do a little bit of all of it. Do a little bit of giving do a little bit of saving, even if it's 25 bucks um, in the markets. Ooh, it's scary. Oh man, I've never done this. Oh, my parents said that their lives were the worst thing that ever happened because in no way they lost everything. Well, you know what? They probably were dumb and didn't stay in it, right? But if they would have stayed in it, they would have worked their way back. But the smart people bought in when everything was at its worst. When Lehman Brothers went under, that was probably a darn good time to buy something. And how many people did? nobody right right Right. so So, but when things are glorious though you also got to look at it and go the market overshoots on the downside and overshoots on the upside mm -hmm. so that's why it's always a measured approach there's not one way to do it it's just as basic fundamentals and wisdom and i wish i could say that there is a bullet that you could do but take advantage if the government comes out things where you lose your job okay and they're saying hey you get compensated through this corona thing or whatever take that time to find a better one Mm. You know, take that, it just, we, we, we can't look at this. I think people are scared with Corona and I look at it and I go, man, that is scary and let's take it in, but let's take it in far enough so that we know how do we react to this? Take it in far enough to know where the opportunities are. Take it in, feel it, feel it all the way down and then assess it because there always is unknowns. This one we just happened to see. Right. So I have, an, we, we had way more unknowns three weeks ago. The market is really inexpensive right now, comparatively to where it was three weeks ago. But no, we don't want to buy it. It's kind of like going to a store. And if you have a store that has a shirt that's on sale and not on sale at another store, people are going to buy the shirt that's on sale. But now the market's down 30%. Now they want to sell it. That is emotion and fear. But take advantage of all your friends' fear. If all your friends are selling everything, laugh at them and be like, don't even tell them what you're going to do. Just be like, thank you so much write down their names, write down the date, and then do the opposite of your friends because that's how it works. That's what I do with my friends. So anyway, but that's where I think there, there needs to be some perspective in the middle of all this, yeah. especially for those of us that aren't re- If you're retired, this is tougher. Yeah. But for young, the thing is retired people, guess what they've all done? They've made money in the market, so they get it. Right. The young people have no excuse. And they've lived through a few of these. Yeah. And the young people, they have no excuse 
to not be smart in it's this. It's such good counsel. So um, buy assets, have a plan, um, make sure that we're the evaluate the security of our jobs. These are strategies for life, not just for coronavirus. And as we uh, on the precipice of perhaps a financial recession, the sky's not falling. the The world doesn't seem to be coming to an end. And uh, let's think clearly and 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 steward the resources God's entrusted to us well, and um, and honor God as Scripture teaches in Proverbs three. Honor God with our wealth. Yes. And uh, I love many things about you, my brother. One of them is how consistently through your adult life you've honored God with your wealth and with the wealth of others uh, that they've entrusted to you. I think that's why so many have done that. Um, and such practical life-giving coaching. For those of us uh, who are at, at the middle or those that are at the later stages of, of their lives, those who are just beginning their adult lives, there's something in this wisdom for each of us. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to coach us, to shepherd our congregation from the perspective, not only of your professional experience and expertise, but also uh, your father's heart. I mean, you're a great dad and you're a great leader in this church family. We so appreciate you. Um, before you go, uh, and I know you're getting on a plane and flying to New York and doing the stuff you do, um, and we bless you in that. Would you take a minute and bless us and just pray over our church family? Yeah, you betcha. Be happy to do it. Lord, I want to thank you for this day and and just for our church body, Lord, just calm everyone's hearts. Um, just give them your wisdom and your strength. Um, Lord, I just pray for them as they deal with tough things in their lives between jobs that are a concern and this coronavirus. Um, just help them to have a long-term perspective, Lord. Um, keep us all safe through this. Lord, you're in control of everything, and we know that. We all say that we trust you, but help us actually to do it and to live our lives that way. Lord, we love you. Uh, we give this all to you. We know that we don't have all the answers, but Lord, help us to live in a way that makes sense to the world on what we believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jonathan Buchelman, we so appreciate your being with us. Um, hey, everybody. For updates on all things leadership in the season that we find ourselves uh, that we'll talk about in this podcast, go to denverunited.com slash update. We're going to put up uh, a resource for you that's going to be basic a basic budget tool. For some of you, this is elementary and irrelevant. For many of us who are living paycheck to paycheck and thinking that financial wisdom means spending just at or under what we earn, we want to equip you to honor God with your wealth. So look for that resource there, denverunited.com slash update. And uh, may God continue to bless you and give you wisdom to navigate these trying times and speak grace and truth into the public square, at the water cooler at work, in the cul-de-sac when you're walking your dogs, and everywhere where Jesus puts us, all through the city. You are the people of God. You were placed here in Denver for such a time as this. This isn't the time to shrink back, to hide away, uh, to build a bomb shelter and wait for the apocalypse. This is the time for us to shine Light shines brightest at the darkest times, and God made us for this. May Jesus make you faithful and wise and compelling as you apply these principles that, that you heard today and communicate faith and truth in love. Thanks so much for joining us for this edition of the Denver United Podcast as we look at leadership in every season. God bless you. Love you all. 